0: And I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Daniel, who has learned to re-see himself throughout his life and who is very happy to be who he is today. Enjoy. Hey, Daniel, awesome of you to join us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this
0: conversation. Beautiful, me too. So to give our audience some context, you are a virtual event MC, which I find Mm. fascinating. And I guess you were a general MC for all kinds of events before, but now you're focusing on the virtual, which is really cool. You're a five-time TEDx speaker, which is something I might want to ask you about in the future, because I think I'm getting ready for my first TEDx. And you're also a transformation coach, which is a beautiful concept. Besides that. I think you are also a human being who has a lot of experience in developing his relationship to himself. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're going to talk about today. My first question is traditionally always the same. When you hear these words relating to self, what does that mean to you?
1: So, as soon as you said that, the word that popped in my head was self-awareness, the pursuit, the discovery, the exploration of the truest version of myself. That is what I thought about was a journey, not a destination. Um, A experiment, a up and down, left and right, forward and backward process is what I was picturing as you said that. So while there's something I do uh, regularly, I generally stay away from labels and uh, titles and stuff. So that's just what I associated with what you said with that
0: beautiful i love it i hear you when you say like you know about the labels i'm also not much of a label person i tend to think labels make put us in little boxes and i don't like that but yeah this is exactly what i was looking for i love one thing about your quote here it was you said like you know it's a it's a journey and it's up and down and left and right and it's all over the place which kind of points at the fact that this journey is not linear right it's not like one thing that you always get better at so I'm really curious um, as to how you have navigated that roller coaster of getting to that truest, truest version of yourself. What does that look like for you?
1: With the tools that I have in the moment, and as I grow, I pick more tools up. Some of the tools are useful and some of the tools are not. So let's make it very practical. I remember when I was 12 years old and playing the guitar in church for the first time i remember the feeling of euphoria and just going like wow this is it i killed it right as a 12 year old would and i remember sitting in the car and my parents congratulating me and almost like a minute after that my dad said tell me a few things you could have done better and so i answered a few questions around that and he said what will you commit to improving between now and next time? That was when I was twelve, and I remember um, that was at a high moment. But then I also remember, for some reason, uh, the following year I had my lowest moment with studies. Now I've always been incredible with studies. I had double promotions. I have U.S. certificates. Uh, sorry, U.S. presidential certificates and all this stuff. But I just remember that year because of being bullied. Followed by me becoming the bully. I mean, that's a whole conversation by itself. Uh, And maybe some bad decisions in my life. I did very poorly. And I remember the same set of questions coming back again. Uh, Recognizing the moment you're in. And then going, what are three things you could have done better? And what are you going to commit to doing? So at that age, at the age of 12 and 13, the tools I had were simple two or three introspection questions. And that was good for a while. Then I remember picking up, a new toolkit when I went to college. All of a sudden, when I was in college, I had so many diverse people around me. It was no more the little bubble of church and international folk like the way I grew up. All of a sudden, I met people from different political views, different opinions. And I learned the value of picking diverse and differing opinions. So actively seeking an alternate view. And so that was the next toolkit in the discovery of self is who can I ask that will not give me the answer I'm looking for, but will present a whole different viewpoint, even if it makes me comfortable, especially if it makes me uncomfortable. So along the way, I mean, these are just certain moments that come to mind right now, but the, disc, the journey is based on the tools that you have, right? And so for me, I am in the business, yes, of self-awareness and self-exploration, but really I'm in the business of picking up new tools because as I pick up new tools, then I have new ways of discovering who I am. Uh, cause one could argue that even if you have a great set of tools, you will still reach a limit with what you can achieve with that. So yeah, those are just some of those. I think the pandemic has switched on a whole set of tools, which is how do you do it with yourself? I mean, a lot of us, uh, suffered or experienced a level of loneliness and isolation that we haven't had before. So all of a sudden you're 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 with yourself for extended periods of time. And so you pick up new set of tools uh, with that as well. And so I think every season, every chapter, every geographic move and personal move in your life gives you a set of tools. Once you learn what those are and how to use it effectively, I think then you just pick up more and more on this journey of who are you?
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. I love this idea of the journey being based on the tools you have. But I guess for me, there's two things. There's the tools, but then there's also the the Kickstarter, let's say. What what starts the journey? What makes it that you want to go on this journey of exploring the truest version of yourself? And it sounds like from you, that was something that you were given as a child by your family. This, this perspective of like, okay, so what could you have done better? And what will you commit to improving? Those are such powerful questions. So it feels like you were a couple of decades ahead of me, like in, in starting with that journey. And that's just, just so rich. That's just so beautiful.
1: Given would be a nice way to put it that those were tools I was given, the Asian mentality is forced. So my parents did not ask my permission to ask me those questions. They did not say, hey, can we have, no. Asian parenting is just like, this is this is what we think is best for you and you'll roll with it. I very early on appreciated and recognized that everything they did was for my good. And I have to say, having talked to many adult friends of mine, they would not come to the same conclusions about their parents. So I realized that I was in a very special place where not only did I recognize it, but I firmly still to this day believe that that is the very core of their being is they want the best for me. And that is such an incredible place to be as a child. Uh, and so because I did that, I did not fight against it because I realized that I was tapping into knowledge that was ahead of my time. I was tapping into tools that were ahead of my time. And so I fully accepted it. My little sister, on the other hand, as often happens with siblings, uh, rebelled against it. She's like, stop talking over me. Don't tell me that you don't know me. I know me. I am the best of her. I, I know myself more than anyone else. Does. So she's got the exact opposite view about it. But for me, that certainly was the case. And I think I've benefited tremendously from doing that, but of course the second part to it, at some point you also have to know when to let go of it because as much as parents want the best for you, they still only see you with one lens, which is as a child. And so there's ways that you have to also sort of not outgrow, but further the journey without them and with others as well but that's a whole different conversation but yeah i'm I'm very grateful for my parents who who tapped into that and gave me that i'm grateful for a lot of older mentors um i'm a huge advocate for being very intentional about who's around you it's why you and i are part of the sandbox community a place where i felt like i really belonged i mean that's a whole different conversation around self and belonging um but that was really helpful for me, my church community, my music community, my sport community. I'm always in communities because I just realize how vital they are in self-development. Uh, to me, self-development is absolutely not monk mode. I have some friends who, who, who would maybe speak as strongly as I do about community, that about, for them would be about isolation, to strip away, get away, and discover in isolation for me, it's been the exact opposite. Um, it's, it's absolutely because of the people around me. I am here because of the people around me.
0: Beautiful. I love that. I w- I'm trying to reflect on that from, from my perspective. And I think it's definitely more towards the monk mode, maybe yeah. not completely the monk mode, obviously. But I feel my, my biggest steps and the most progress in my life I have made actually in the past year, year and a half because of the pandemic and because how that automatically gave us more time to sit with ourselves and it forced us basically to be with ourselves and to look at that conversation that we were having with ourselves. So that was interesting. But now I think, yeah, the time has come for me also to make the step towards developing in a community. I think that's really important. But I want to get back to something, Daniel, which you said earlier, which really resonated with me, this idea of seeking out people with alternate views especially when they brought you discomfort. I think one of the best things that I've learned in my life is to be comfortable with discomfort. And so I'm curious as to how you developed this ability to sit with discomfort, because that's not an easy one.
1: Yes. So I am going to answer that question, but I'd love to hear your opinion about it as well. Um, Because I think this is an important toolkit to develop. What helped for me was as the son of an Indian diplomat, moving countries every two to three years, I was completely thrown into a space that was different, into a group of people that were different, into a culture that was different. And I'm saying different, not uncomfortable, um, but just different. And that was a huge shift in my mind to just see other As different because different is still valuable it's not lesser than it's not weaker it's not subjective it's not submissive it's just different and so i think that was part of it is every two to three years stripping everything that i knew and completely indulging in something that was different second was the diversity even in the difference. So not only was I living in a country like Zimbabwe or Yemen or Algeria, where you just really have very limited foresight as to what you're entering. Even today, I would argue, let alone 15 years ago and 20 years ago, pre-social media, pre-internet and everything else. But in those communities, I was dealing with very different uh, people because I was in international schools with other diplomat kids. So I remember, uh, for a little sleepover we had we were there's I love lego so we're playing lego all right and there was five friends of mine so me daniel i speak english and my best friend japanese uh japanese guy speaks very very little english all right but he's still my best friend and uh very very limited english but he spoke fluent french for whatever reason fluent french now my cameroonian friend spoke fluent French and much stronger English. So when we were making this fort out of Lego together, it's a group activity. So I would tell my Cameroonian friend what our plan was in English. He would translate that in in French to my Japanese friend. And then my Japanese friend, he he had his friend who would always invite, although that guy was not my best friend, but that guy only spoke Japanese, didn't speak any English. So he would then uh, translate that to Japanese. And we would do this in real time with very little inefficiencies. Like it was just so status quo. It was just so normal to do this. We didn't see any um, slowness or weirdness or strangeness about it. But I would say, I mean, I don't want to talk about the language part, but imagine not only our cultural backgrounds, but also our diverse experiences that brought us to that position, as simple as it is to make a fort, the concept of a fort in different countries is wildly different. So it was not like, oh, we're just gonna make a highway to the fort because a highway in every country looks very different. How walls are built in every country looks different. Like Even something as basic as creating a fort of Lego had such a richness to it because of what we brought to the table. So I think, One, I had practice dealing with the different, with the other. But second, I saw the benefits of it from a very young age. And so I know for any of my friends that travel, they have very similar experiences. For me, it was travel multiplied by a couple uh, because I was living in it. It wasn't just visiting or, or traveling through. I was living in these communities. But anyone who's left their borders and moved into another country for whatever period of time has had those light bulb moments that eye-opening moments and so I would say for sure immersing yourself actively in what is different is key and seeing it as different and not disgusting or lesser than or weaker and just seeing it as oh that's just a valid different view uh, I think all of a sudden there's a richness to your life
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so resonate with that. How yeah. Well, you? I've, I've traveled the world for the past, like six, seven years. I've done nothing else than, you know, feeling attracted by a certain place, a certain culture, a certain mindset. And I think that was very much the essence of what's it, of it, what you're saying, you know, it's just like discovering how different societies can be and how different people can function. And that has been such an incredible richness, you know, for me. And it's it's been with a lot of pain in my heart that I've decided not to do that anymore for ecological reasons, you know, just mm. to lower my carbon footprint. But I'm still struggling with that idea of uh, finding a balance between my personal development, what I can give to the world, and then also being conscious about how many resources I use. So that's an ongoing conversation I have with myself. But I'm curious because as a kid... Um, I've had a similar experience, but just one. I lived in the south of France for a while. Um, I'm from Belgium originally. And so that was also like a very different culture, different language, a very different experience. And for me, it feels as if my relating to self, like the kind of person I feel I am, what my true is, my true self is, changed when I was a kid, from being in Belgium to being in France. And so I'm curious if you, through your multiple changes every two, three years, were also perceiving changes in who you are or in, who, or in how you show up to the world and how you act and how you relate to yourself, basically. Do you have those different personalities inside?
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. And I even took it one step further. At a young age, I kept changing my name. So in every country, I'd pick a different name to um, I don't know why that started, but I did. And with that, I basically gave myself a chance to reinvent myself. See, here's the beauty of it, man. Back then we didn't have personal branding, right? So it's not like someone could check me on Instagram, (laughs) make some perceptions as to who I am, and then predetermine the person that showed up in the classroom right? No one could Google me. I had no past. So when the, when I would awkwardly stand, you know, in the sixth week of class already begun and I would walk in cause they don't time the, your moves based on academic year. So you just randomly there on day, you know, 102 of an academic year. And the teacher will say, Hey, everybody, this is Dan meet Dan. Everybody had to meet me for who I was in that moment. There was no history to me. There was nothing you can Google, there was no social media, there was no history to me. And I had the chance to be fully present and not carry the baggage from before. And so sometimes it would start with a different name. Like I know in India, I was Danny. I know in France, I was Joe. I know in Abu (laughs) Dhabi, I was JD. But I know that this version of me or the fulfillment, the continuing fulfillment of who you see now is Daniel. And Daniel showed up in Zimbabwe. Um, And so I was 14, 15, 15 years old uh, when I started becoming this version of who I am. So it gave me a chance to be someone completely different. And this is why I love, you know, the transformation coach for me, I do this for individuals, I do this for companies, but I talk a lot about adapting and it comes down to three major steps. Right? Let go of the past, engage with the present, position with the future. This is what I learned to master with every move. Letting go of the past does not mean forgetting or suppressing your past. It means appreciating, celebrating, but making peace with your past. So there were things I loved about who I was in Zimbabwe that I could not bring to Morocco. In Zimbabwe, I was part of six bands, right? Music was so rich in Zimbabwe. In Morocco, our school had no music facility. So as much as I loved who I was as a musician, I had to make peace with that and let go of it. But in Morocco, I picked up some new opportunities there in theater that I could never have done. But the music in Zimbabwe taught me to appreciate more being on stage, which prepared me to go into theater. But without the step of music in, in Zimbabwe, I could have never done theater in Morocco. And so that's where letting go of the past is. is certainly not suppressing or forgetting. It mercy is about celebrating, appreciating, but making peace with "That was my past. And then comes the second, which is engage with the present. Who am I today? And that is genuinely opening your eyes without comparing without prejudice and saying, what are the opportunities here today? This is something that everybody had to learn during the pandemic because the world that they knew, no more existed. And those who could very quickly go, so what can I do today? Like what are the doors that are still open today? Were the ones who survived. But everyone who said, can't wait for the old times, can't wait till we get back to the normal. Uh, I'm just gonna hold holding pattern until They're the people that could not let go of the past and certainly were not engaging with the present. But my firm belief is if you let go of the past, you engage with the present, you you align yourself to position for the future. So that's not for me intentional. Engaging with the present is intentional. You do an audit, you see what's around, and you find, okay, here are things I want to try. But by doing that, having that mindset, you actually position for the future. So it's not about being overly strategic and overthinking and being like, okay, in 10 years, I want to be this person. So I'm going to like reverse engineer because at least my experience in this is the world changes too quickly and life throws so many curveballs. That you only set yourself up for disappointment when you try to reverse engineer a long term plan. On the other hand, you do the first two steps, you actually do start aligning for the future. Um, So, yes, coming back to the original question, every travel, every move, every chance to reinvent and recreate was these three steps over and over and over again. And I still do it to this day. And I actually. Don't need to move to a new country to do it. I give my give myself permission to do it at any point. If at any point I go, I'm not happy with a certain element of myself, I let go of it. I make my peace with it. All right. And sometimes that's midweek, man. All right. Sometimes I, I know for a little season recently, I've just been feeling quite unmotivated. Very rare for me, especially because so much of my personality is based on energy and charisma and all of that. But I remember waking up one Wednesday morning going, It's because I'm not sleeping well and not, I don't mean like I'm sleeping badly. It means that my evening routine, which was non-existent, did not let me go to sleep at a normal time. Like some people, I was in my bed with my phone, just scrolling through news feeds for half an hour. And so my first thought was, all right, next month, I'm going to stop doing that. And then my next thought was, why next month, next week? Then my next thought was, why next week? Why not just tonight? I will not take my phone. And tomorrow morning, I'm gonna see what happens with that. And so sometimes it's literally midweek that I give myself that, you know, I'm gonna let go of that. That might've been who I was for the previous weeks, but like right now I'm stopping that. I'm just not gonna be that person anymore.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I relate to it. Like this week, actually, I had a similar experience. Um, I was walking to the gym as I normally do every morning. And then halfway the journey, I was walking through the park and I suddenly realized like, wait, I didn't do my meditation this morning for whatever reason. I just skipped the meditation. And then I felt this kind of regret. I was like, Ooh, I wish I, I wish I would have given myself the time to meditate, but I can't now because I'm already on my way to the gym. And then immediately my mind went like, wait, that's, that's just a story. That's not true. Right. You could meditate right here if you wanted. And I was like, that's true. So I just sat down in the park. I closed my eyes. And I meditated right there, right then, because that's what came up. And it was such a, it was such a sweet moment of giving myself what I needed while letting go of the story of like, Hey, I'm already on my way to the gym. So the only possibility for me is now to continue to the gym and then do my gym routine and meditate later. I was like, Nope, I'm just going to sit here. So yeah, that's beautiful.
1: That's That's good. And I think we have to get better at being willing to re-see ourselves, right? So often we do the blame game. Oh, those haters will not let me grow or my friends see me, but often it's not others, it's us. We need to give ourselves permission to re-see even ourselves, even the person that we have gotten comfortable with or justified or accepted, we, it has to start with us that we go, you know what? I'm going to be fit. It doesn't matter what the mirror says. It doesn't matter what the scale says. It doesn't even matter what my friends tease me about. I want to re-see a different version of myself. And that's where the journey on health begins. It could be career-wise. You know, you might be a certain personality. Uh, Maybe you're the butt of every joke in the office, or maybe you're the loud person in the the office, and you feel a huge pressure either way on it, right? It starts with you. Re-see yourself and go, I don't need to be the center of attention and I give myself permission to be on the sidelines. And it has to start with you because it's very hard to convince other people of a new version if you don't convince yourself of a new version. So yeah, I, I love agree. I love even something like a meditation in the park, go like, okay, I'm used to meditation in this capacity, but can I do it differently? Why not? Let's go for it.
0: Yeah, I love it. I absolutely agree. I think it's one of my core concepts with this whole conversation about relating to self. Mm-hmm. that most of the things we struggle with, if not all of the things we struggle with, are just basically tensions and incoherences in ourselves. It's all about the internal dialogue that I have with some of my parts, you know, that see me in a different way or are afraid of others seeing me in a different way. And that's been a conversation for me all along, really. Daniel, I'm curious, now that we've spoken about these Well, I want to go into like habits and building habits next because it sounds like that's been definitely part of your journey as well. But before we go there, I'm still curious if all the different versions of Daniel or the different names, all these different kids who showed up in those different schools, are they still part of you in some way? And if so, how do you relate to them now?
1: (sighs) This is such a difficult question. It honestly is because I think it's something that I still try to figure out, am I a continuing fulfillment of who I was in the past, or am I a radically different person? It's so hard to tell, man. There are parts of my past that I do not recognize, but I recognize how they were essential to who I've become now, if that makes sense. So it's hard to tell. There are some parts that are easy, right? So my energy comes from an introverted source and that's because of my childhood, right? The shy, overweight, acne faced, introverted, um, you know, social outcast kid. And so I learned and appreciated how to find my own happiness, my own conversations. There's always more happening in my head than coming out of my mouth, always. And so... I learned to do that from a young age and that still stays true today. So even though my career has me in front of people, even though all my social media has me as the speaker and the thought leader, the reality is that before I go on stage, I load up on energy by myself and after I'm on stage, I re-energize by myself that has never shifted. So that part of me is still there today, even though, I am not the overweight, socially outcast, introverted kid. But I can see how that phase taught me some essential lessons that I still bring today. So, so yes and no. That's why it's such a loaded question in that even like professionally, oh man, I am so happy, so happy to be who I am today. Honestly, I pinch myself sometimes thinking I feel so blessed to to wake up as Dan Ram, because I don't remember creating Dan Ram. I remember seeking Dan Ram, but I did not create this. I did not put a vision board and go, this is who Dan Ram will be. And I forced myself into it. Um, But even professionally, uh, it took a while to get to this kind of speaker, you know, freelancer person. I worked for the UN. Was that... A version of Dan Ram? Yes, because there's a part of me that can work in big government, that can focus on bureaucracy and paperwork. There is a part of me that does that. It seems so incongruent to who I am today as an entrepreneur freelancer, but what people may not see is that when I'm done blah-blahing afterwards, I actually have a very strong you know, CRM system and all of these backend systems that I learned while I was working for the UN. So parts of it might feel incongruent, but the lessons learned still come and are part of who I am. So yes and no. Yes and no.
0: Beautiful. I love it. I think this is definitely going to be like the quote of this episode of the podcast that you are so happy to be who you are today. I think that is just so brilliant. And I relate to that. I have the same feeling. I'm like, "Mm, this is me today. And I love it. And it's awesome.
1: I have, I have a question for you though. Mm. Have you interviewed someone or been in conversation with someone where the journey of sex self-exploration actually landed them in a deep dark hole?
0: I have not. It's usually the opposite. It's more like people land in a deep dark hole because of context, circumstances, an inability or the wrong tools, you know. And then when they are at the bottom of that hole, they realize that they need to change something and they start looking for what are the other options. And then they find new tools. Very often that has been meditation or journaling or, you know, that kind of stuff. And that then enables them to find their way back to a different version of themselves that they actually love. So okay. it's an interesting question, but the answer is no. I've never talked to anyone who's gone down because of a self-exploration route.
1: I ask that question because often this conversation about self-awareness and uh, self-development is rosified. I know that's not a phrase, but it's made to look like this beautiful thing, and you know you should pursue it and chase it. I know, at least for myself, I can only speak for myself. Some of those days, some of those thoughts, some of those processes put me in a very dark place. Uh, When you have to be brutally honest with yourself, right? And then you go, whoa, that is a weakness or whoa, that is a demon. And it's, it's something that maybe I'm pushing away or hiding or suppressing, maybe something I've mastered and not even recognizing, but it's a part of me. And it does land me in a dark place. Now, I also have the tools to come out of that dark place, but I wondered, I have wondered, what if I didn't know how to bring myself out of it? you know I, I think people who do some levels of recreational drugs in this pursuit of finding self would say that's the difference between a good trip and a bad trip is knowing is is the setup before you do it so i have friends who are like dan you got to do shrooms and, and just uh for the sake of this podcast to this date i still haven't uh I tried any of it but i have friends you know at some of the most exceptional investors, some of the most incredible Grammy award winning artists and others who are like, Dan, you've got to try this out. But they've always given me the caveat. We need to spend a weekend preparing for it, because if you prepare properly, what comes out as a result is incredible. And I think self-awareness and self-development falls into the same thing. If you do it with the right context, the right people, the right tools, even the challenging moments, you know how to use it to your growth. But if you do it without those tools, and that's why I'm just wondering, have you talked to anyone where maybe because they didn't have the right people or the resources and stuff, because the journey is bumpy, have hit a bump and stayed in the bump? Because I've hit those bumps, but I've always come out of the bumps because mm-hmm. I just know that next day morning, all right, I'll sit in it. I'll sit in the misery. I'll sit in the agony. I'll sit in the pain. I'll sit in the tears for a night, but I'll tell myself tomorrow morning, we grow. We get back up again but i know how to do that and i know how to change my mindset to allow that but i'm just wondering can someone just sit in a bad trip you know mm-hmm. and go yeah. oh my gosh this is me
0: yeah it's a great question so i have two thoughts there i can first relate to myself you know so obviously what you say is correct there are certain times when we encounter what i would call shadows you know the darker parts of ourselves that we maybe haven't accepted yet or that we're in the process of um slowly seeing for the first time and that can be really hard i think shadow work has definitely been a core part of of my journey but what i feel personally is that invariably going through those shadows and working with those shadows and accepting them and seeing them as an integral part of me instead of something that i need to be afraid of or something that i need to push away always brings me more joy in the end like the it's not about even healing those parts per se, because I don't think some of those parts can be healed. I think we have ugly sides that are just there and, you know, they're ugly, but accepting them, seeing them and like going like, yep, this is me. This is also me. And that just brings so much groundedness and calmness in me. And I'm like, Hey, I don't, I don't even have to worry about that because it's true. And I can be Mm -hmm. honest about it. And I can show those parts to people and go like, hey, this is also who I am. And if you don't like it, well, that's that's too bad. So that's my side of that. The other side of it is I think there is something about even if you are lost in a dark period or you go to a dark place because of self-experimentation, because of self-awareness training or whatever, we don't really have a choice. Like, we have to come out. you will stay there maybe for a while, right? And you could get really depressed, but no matter how depressed you get, there's only one way and that is getting yourself out of there unless you kill yourself. And I assume that happens to some people, you know, that's, that's a reality, but obviously, you know, if you ask me, have you spoken to people uh, who, who have gone through that process and it has brought them to a dark place, I guess every, everyone so far has come out of that. Yes. In, in a transformative way, Some, you always learn something by going through that darkness.
1: Mm. Oh, yes. I actually think, no, I know that my greatest learnings are coming out of my greatest obstacles. My greatest challenges, for sure. No doubt about it. And as much as I hate those moments, struggle through those moments, I deeply appreciate those moments. I could not be where I am today without the challenges, the trials, the tragedies.
0: Same here. I am here now as who I am because of the trauma that I had and that I've worked through. And it's, it's really powerful to think about things that way because there's this weird feeling of like, I'm grateful for that yeah. trauma, you know? And that's, that's such a strange thing to say, but yeah, I, I get you, man. I get you. I would love to know about, you know, habits and stuff, because you, you speak so beautifully about letting go of the past, then being present in the now, which sets you up for the future. I think that's absolutely right. But then that being in the now and letting go of the past for me, that has been an area that greatly improved when I started building habits because the great the great challenge there to stop to to let go of who you were is that you have just things that happen automatically right you just get up and you do stuff and then you're like oh i wish i didn't do those things but they just happen and so i'm curious if you have any specific practices for one building new habits and two letting go of habits that you don't want anymore
1: what are your habits
0: <laughs> um well, I have many, I think. But I think my, my biggest habit right now is my morning routine, which yes. is a, basically a stack of habits, like this idea of habit stacking. And it goes through you know meditation and journaling and a couple of rituals, and then some some deep work, uh, a gym routine, and then maybe some reading. That's kind of like the main thing. And I feel those are different habits. But at the same time, it feels like only one habit, because it's like okay. one, one stack. Um, I think my most important habit, and that is something I talked about in the previous episode as well, is being kind to myself. That is the Ooh. habit I am most grateful for. What How do you do that? Yeah. It's just practicing this inner voice that, you know, when something bad happens to you, when you do something wrong, whatever, we have this inner critic that then says, like, hey, you suck, or that was stupid, or yes. anything like that, you know? And I had a very strong voice like that that was always berating me, always putting me down. And then I just, one day I said, like, look, I, I don't want to relate to myself in that way anymore. I want to be kind and compassionate. And I started training another voice in myself that every time I did something that was wrong or or a mistake or something that I wanted differently, instead of being hateful towards myself, I started going, oh, you know, it's okay. I'm human. This is human. Human make mistakes. I will treat myself with kindness. So now when something happens, I smile at myself and I'm like, it's okay. And that is my, I think most valuable habit.
1: I love that. It's not part of my morning routine, uh, but to answer your question, I have something called a 5G morning routine. I really should trademark this. That's
0: very controversial. <laughs> 5G is like...
1: Well, just like 5G gives you the best connection, I believe right. my 5G morning routine gives you your best connection to self. How do you like Great. that?
0: Great. Awesome. So Talk us through my,
1: it. My 5G morning routine came out of my career, which is interviewing and interacting with some of the greatest change makers in the world, whether people like President Barack Obama or Formula One champion, Nico Rosberg or football players like Philip Lam or in the music world, you know, like three-time Grammy world winner, Kevin Alushula, uh, founders of companies have interviewed Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn. So like from very diverse spaces, people who are just at the top of their game, I've interviewed them all on stage and backstage. What we often talk about is around this concept of flow state like how do they achieve a legacy of success and sorry a lifetime of success and, and build a, a legacy around that not just one time overnight success and so so many of them man came up with this routine they have routines they're people of routine and so i've compiled my five g's from learning from a lot of these conversations so god gym goals gratitude, growth. Those five G's coincide with spiritual, physical, professional, emotional, creational, right. So those are my five pillars. The first one, God and spiritual. Firmly believe that we're not just physical beings, we're also spiritual beings. And as soon as we take the weight of the entire world off of our shoulders and realize we are connected with each other, we're connected with the universe, we're connected with a supernatural entity or force, if you choose to believe that. Uh, For me as a Christian, I do believe that firmly, but also I can tap into that. So I no more have to rely on my own wisdom, my own strength, my own abilities. I can tap into this incredible magnanimous powerful being who created me and if he has the power to create me he has the power to intervene and step into every situation i'm in and man that gives me a whole level whole different level of not just ambition but just self right when i see myself as just spiritual not just as physical that's the first one the second is gym which coincides with physical the science proves this we know this the person that comes out of the gym is a different person than who enters the gym. And that's simply because working out actually reorganizes, recalibrates your hormones. You are literally a different being. You have different quantities of the hormones in you because of your workout. And not surprisingly, uh, hormones are related to anxiety and stress are on their way down. And hormones connected to pleasure and focus are on their way up. And so the gym is a no-brainer for anybody. The third G is goals slash professional. And what I mean here is not opening your to-do list and certainly not opening your emails, but you writing your goals for the day. And so when you have that hyper-focus on what are three things I can do, now I take it one step further. Many, Many people who will be listening know about smart goals, but essentially the one that's most important with that is not just making a list of goals, but creating the time for that. So I go on my Google calendar and I don't just write down goals, I allocate time for it. If you don't put time for something, how is it supposed to happen? And so I put that in there. Now, one important thing I've added in there kind of connected to your kindness factor is I look at my calendar once I'm done with that exercise of my goals and I see, is this a day that I want to live? am I excited about this day? And if I'm not, I make those changes before I even start the day. So I never have like a 3 p.m. midday crisis of, oh, I'm exhausted or a 11 a.m. burnout moment because I've checked in the morning and I've seen, do I have enough breaks? Do I have enough things around arts and creativity and people in there? So all of that happens with my third G, which is gold slash professional. The fourth is my check-in. I've just written gratitude because I think during the pandemic, we needed to learn to be, to find more gratitude in our lives, but gratitude just stands for the whole host of an emotional check-in. And I check in with myself and say similar questions. Am I excited about the day ahead? What am I anxious about? I prepare myself for the moments that are going to be challenging during the day. So I don't just walk into trouble. I'm prepared for it. Right. And then also I will ask myself really, really simple questions. Like, what am I grateful for? Uh, what am I hopeful for? How am I feeling? Uh, what do I want from the end of today? Who do I want to be today?
0: Quick question. Do you like write those down or is it just like an internal an, an exercise? How, how does that look?
1: In the early days, I wrote it down. I had a journal. Uh, now it's like with any routine, it's so inculcated with who I am that I actually cannot prevent it. Like, even if I'm rushing in the car, I'm thinking about this stuff without even trying to. Um, and so it's like you walking to the gym and just going, whoa, meditation check didn't happen. Let's go, you know? Um, so the fifth G is creational, uh, which, which I, connect with growth because I'm a firm believer in momentum. If you just suddenly think that because you've had your cup of coffee and you sit at your computer that your brain's gonna start working at 100%, it's not. And I firmly believe in creating momentum. And so creational for me is anything from listening to a podcast or a TED talk or listening to some music that is just going to get me going or playing the piano or doing a Lego or creating some art or writing or reading. There's so many ways to jumpstart your day on your terms. And when you do that, you just have more to give to whatever the world demands from you for the rest of the day. So that is my 5G morning routine. I swear by it. I do it every day. now. I am human, just like everyone else that's listening. So some days I only manage to do two Gs or some days I only manage to do three. On great days, I do all five. Some days, like on weekends, I'll spend three hours, aka the entire morning, do my morning routine. And other days, if I'm on stage, I can barely squeeze 20 minutes. Uh, sometimes it happens in airports, in non-perfect circumstances and other days i've got my mats and my gym and my personal space and my bluetooth headphones fully juiced up and ready to go and everything's working fine the key is committing to doing it daily doing it being anything daily for yourself
0: beautiful i love it daniel and i agree with everything the other part of the question was how do you get rid of of habits that you don't wanna have anymore? Suppose you, you, know, you have these things that you do and you're like, I don't want that to be part of myself anymore. How do you go about that?
1: That is a really good question. Um, for me, I, I kind of addressed this earlier. It starts with me re-seeing myself. And so essentially I just have a conversation with myself, often based on frustration, I just reached a breaking point where I'm just like, I don't like this. And then I just have that internal dialogue. So what are you going to do about it, Dan? When are you going to start doing it? How are you going to create change? Bam. So that's the first step. The second, often, most often, I say 80% of the time, that's usually enough. That's just the way I'm wired. For me, mindset is everything. And because I constantly work on mastering my mind, everything else kind of flows. So uh, for me, losing 20 kilos in the last 15, 16 months was less of a physical exercise and more of a mental one when i went i am not the overweight guy that's on stage losing breath i am the fittest most youthful energetic mc that anyone's ever seen when i resaw myself like that oh going to the gym was so easy because i was working towards that person that i had given myself permission to grow into um so not to say that working out is not uh difficult it certainly is but the biggest battle was in my mind so that's the first one second when my mind is not enough accountability for sure whether it's a single friend or a second friend where there's a whole group of people so sometimes it's just with uh so say it's something like trying to break an addiction i might talk to my parents i might talk to close friends there's no need for me to you know talk to the whole world about that um but i talk to a few people to hold me accountable but other things like say working out or uh, committing to making time for myself, I put that on social media because the wonderful thing is if you share some of that stuff online, you'll be surprised how people that you do not think are committed to your development will hold you accountable to it. So, the days that I post that I'm eating ice cream and I do not go to gym for three days in advance, someone is going to DM me going, Come on, Dan, you set this goal. You said you're going to do it. I'm rooting for you. You don't need the ice cream. Go work out. Right. So, I think accountability, whether one-on-one or in a group, is so important. Third, having a measurable goal for me, because I am such a chase and win kind of guy, because I'm competitive in my core, having something measurable is important because otherwise I don't know what I'm working towards. And so if I just write something or commit to some proof of growth, some proof of arrival, then I'm chasing it harder. Vague goals, and it has nothing to do with ambition. You can be as ambitious as you want for your goal, but unless you have something that you can measure, both as a final destination, but certainly milestones along the way, for me, it's just easier because those are much more, I can see it, I can perceive it, and therefore I can pursue it. Whereas if it's just super, <laughs> subjective and abstract i don't even know if i'm getting there or not so Oof, those are kind of the things that popped in mind there man as to how do you and that's for making goals but also for breaking them right it applies in both cases whether you're trying to add something in your life or remove something in your life um so with an addiction if there's something that you do daily and you're like you know what um i'm gonna start by doing, you know once a week that's it and then you get some friends and hold yourself a combo and you go okay i survive once a week i don't have crazy withdrawal symptoms let's try once a month Uh, So having something very clear that you can quantifiably pursue, for me, makes it easier.
0: Beautiful. I love it. And I'm so happy that you said this thing about posting stuff on social media, sharing it with the world, as to like for the external world, holding you accountable. That's so beautiful because I've run this program that I'm still working on called Love for Weeks. That is exactly about that. Like the, the core of the program is doing one thing every day that is an expression of self-love and posting that on social media as to broadcast to the world like look this is what i'm currently doing i am learning to love myself more and today i made myself a nice cup of tea and i sat down for five minutes or whatever it is you know and i've i've had the same experience that because Because I posted that on social media, two things happen. One, people hold you accountable from the external world. So that's definitely a, a driver. But two, like, way more people than I thought respond to that in an interesting way. And like, people talk about it, and people then see, like, oh, yes, this is also a possibility for me. You know, maybe I should think about loving myself more. And that's just so beautiful because then my internal process becomes something that inspires others almost automatically. And so that's, that's something I'm still working on, but I want to, I want to do that with groups. I want to help people to, to make those steps and to post about these things. Daniel, this was an awesome conversation. Um, We are coming to the end. Sadly, I have one more question for you. Okay. And That is, was there any question that you would have loved to receive, but that I didn't ask you?
1: I don't know about a question, but I always end with this. Because I think that listening is helpful, right? So listening to this podcast and filling your mind with all these thoughts is helpful. My bet is that, uh, at least my hope is that people go, whoa, I need to jumpstart. I need to elevate. And I think that can be overwhelming. And so what I always end with is four words that have transformed my life, which is start now, start simple. So keep listening to this podcast series. Keep listening to the different views, but do something, right? Don't just make this a weekly habit of listening to another episode and just filling your mind do something with the knowledge however small it might be so start now is simply say yes to whatever instinct you have like oh i need to stop doing that or i need to start doing that or oh i'd I'd love to try uh re-seeing myself or i'd love to try a morning routine or i'd like to be kind to myself and i want to change that inner dialogue whatever it is that kind of picked your heart today when you were listening to this start now right today today That's the first part. Start it right now or tomorrow morning at the latest. The second is start simple. You do not need to have a perfect journal to think about gratitude. You can just put it on any sticky note or just stare in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth and just go through this. You don't need to have a perfect notebook for it. Uh, If it is an addiction you're trying to break, or if it is a habit you're trying to build, you don't need to have the best friends in the world. Just start with who you got start with whoever comes to mind. So for me, it's always start now and start simple. Cause I think often we put a lot of roadblocks and we go, well, once I have the funding and once I have the time and once I'm in the better apartment and once I'm living with a better person, and once I've got this and that, then I will, we break that now. And we say, start now, start simple. Um, And if I can help anyone who's listening with that, please let me know not as someone who's achieved or as a guru status but someone who's just every day going what can i start now and how can i start simple and every day committing to personal development and personal growth so if that start now start simple element is confusing you please let me know because to me that's where transformation begins is actually with what seems to be insignificant right now which over time leads to just incredible difference and change
0: beautiful Thank you so much, Daniel. I think that's great advice. If people are interested in following you or, you know, seeing what you're up to, where can they find you? Is there anything you want to share with the audience?
1: So as weird and creepy as the sound, I am flattered that people may want to follow me, but honestly, I'm in the world of social media to follow others, right? I live online, not to sell or to promote, but just to help. And so uh if you reach out do not be surprised if i follow you back and if you dm me do not be surprised if i personally respond within 30 or 40 minutes because my exclusive reason to being online is to journey with you that is why i'm online so if that's of interest uh then please do engage with me i my name is dan ram i go by i am dan ram on all social media So uh, Instagram is what I use the most because that's where I can also share my stories about how I'm doing life, the highs and the lows, but I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I post almost daily, tons and tons of free content, but all of it is to create conversation. So again, if you're just looking for the highlight reel of a human being, do not follow me. Kim Kardashian and those crew are probably much more interesting to watch. But if you just wanna see a fellow neighbor, brother, uncle, son, nephew, however you refer to me, just trying to do life and do it well, and you want to be part of that and you want me to be part of your life, then engage with me on social media.
0: Wonderful. I will make sure that we post all those links in the notes of the podcast so people can easily connect with you and actually engage with you. And that's beautiful. And that's a great segue into my next segment, which is an invitation to you, dear audience, if this podcast has inspired you in some way or has left you with a question. For me, or for Daniel, or for any of the guests, please reach out. I'm also incredibly eager to start conversations with people who listen to this. You can reach us very simply by sending an email to Stella at relatingtoself.com, that is S-T-E-L-A, one L, at relatingtoself.com, and we will make sure that we address all your questions. Daniel, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.